Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the I Should Totally Be Dead Right Now podcast, where we tell true stories of survivors of true crime, natural disasters, and everything else in between. How's it going, Michelle? It's going good. It's going good. Good. Yeah. Uh, so it's what? warm and gorgeous outside, yeah. and so there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. Mm. I will let the listeners know, though, when this comes out, you will actually be going into surgery right now. <gasps> it's true. Yeah. It's true. The very morning. It is. Oh, my God. It is my very first surgery. Yeah. So I'm a little bit nervous, and I've got some other friends who were sure to tell me that sometimes <laughs> people wake up in surgery. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> terrible. So I had to have a special powwow with my doctor. Aww. He Sad. told me in all 35 years, he's never had anyone wake up. Good. Well, that's that's great to hear. I feel a little bit better about it. That's good. And it is only going to be like an hour and a half. Yeah, it's a quick and simple procedure on my ear. Okay. So, I mean, we're not getting too invasive. Right. They're going to clean up my... head. Yeah, it is my head. I guess I'm going to come out with... He was like, you're just going to look like a friggin' brain surgery victim or something. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if victim is the word. (laughs) Brain surgery victim? Oh, my gosh. No. Okay. Well, good. No, I guess I'll have like just all kinds of gauze and everything right. all around my head for Aww. about a day. And so sad though. I know. I am a little bit nervous. Well, everyone, right now, send some white light, some prayers. Thank you. Whatever you believe in, send them Michelle's way. Yeah. So and... I can have a good. I'm vaguely terrified I'm going to have like an out of body experience and oh, really? watch the whole thing or something Ooh, like that'd that. That'd be crazy. Well, you my... can tell it on the podcast. <laughs> My soul is going to pluck me out oh and have gosh. a little powwow with me. Don't you fucking dare. Oh, my God. I would lose my shit. Yeah. Could you imagine? No. Oh, no. Okay. I won't die. Okay, good. <laughs> so just cleaning out some ear thing. Yeah, they're plugging or... some random hole and <laughs> sounded awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I have a weird hole in my ear, so it, yeah. like... Instead of just flushing out like any normal ear, it mm. just socks away all that dead like skin. Like in a pocket. In a pocket. Mm. And so now there's like dissolved bone in there. Blech. And yeah, it's hella gross. So he's going to clean it all out. Okay. And put a little manhole over the Blech. the hole in my, I know, barf. Well, oh. what are we drinking? Okay, we are drinking Staycase. So, let me tell you a little story, Caitlin. Okay. I was so excited. So, I was on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even drunk. Probably a little high. <laughs> but I was like, we had such that that butterbeer, mm-hmm. like that Harry Potter butterbeer cocktail. And I was like, that was so delicious. I want to try to find more. So, I bought all these Harry Potter cocktails. Okay. Great. Harry Potter cocktail books. Oh, my God. And then I bought this other one called Fancy as Fuck. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that sounds awesome. And so I get all these cookbooks. And turns out I was not excited about a single one of them. Mm. So this was sort of the one that I found in the Fancy as Fuck, which apparently is based on a TV show on Bravo. I haven't heard of it. It's like a reality show. And there's like at least seven seasons. There's a bazillion seasons of it. It's popular. Yeah. So... That is what it's based on. I think it's called Fancy as Fuck, oh, the name of the show. Oh, well, that makes sense. 
Don't quote me. Okay. <laughs> okay. But we found this one in there, and the main reason I picked it out is because it was made with Campari. Yeah. Hopefully that's how you say it. And I've always wanted to try it. It always looks so delicious in mm -hmm. all the photos. And turns out it is not delicious at all. No. It's really, it's like bitters liquor yeah. or something. I don't even know. So it's bittery and herbal and not sweet at all. But this one, I think... It ended up being okay. So, oh, it's very drinkable. But it is drinkable. I not just, for a second round. Yeah, we ended up making something else for a second round. Yeah. <laughs> so it has citron vodka in it. Yum. It's an ounce and a half of citron vodka, three quarters of an ounce of the Campari. Mm -hmm. It has like another ounce of orange juice, or a half ounce of orange juice, half ounce of lemon juice, mm -hmm. and a half ounce of simple syrup. Mm. And then you top it all with champagne. I mean, and it's this gorgeous sort of peachy orange color. Yeah, it's cute. It's super cute. But it's really more of looks than taste. Yeah, it's very not sweet yeah. at all. And so we ended up adding a little bit more orange juice and a little bit more simple syrup. And yeah. then it kind of became a little bit more drinkable. Mm -hmm. But then we just ended up with screwdrivers made out of the <laughs> citron vodka yeah. at the end. That's good. <sighs> all right. So, so you I'll got go a story first. for us? Yeah, I do. Yes. Is this going to be a story that's going to depress the shit out of me? I think it usually yeah. starts out with depression and then it ends up with, like, victory, so... That is true. Yeah. You do usually sort of pull it out in the end. I try. You know. I mean, they're survivors, so as long as you survive, you know, it's going to have a good ending. So, All right. don't All worry, right. everyone. This story is about Anna Nasset. So, Anna is around 30 years old and lives in Port Townsend, Washington. So, hey, neighbor. Okay. Washington State. Yeah. Got it. She owns and operates an art gallery, and that was her dream. Oh. So her own art is in it, and she just runs it. Fuck yeah. So she's really, really well-known in the community. Okay. And on November 2011, a man comes into her gallery, and he is wanting to submit his artwork to mm. be in her gallery. And she's like, okay, gave him her business card, and such he even made her like a little painting just like a i don't know a sample i don't know something like that okay and she's like okay great and then he left she didn't think much of it because she's an art gallery so a bunch of artists come in and submit sort their artwork gotcha drop off samples yeah. <laughs> yeah but then the man started to call her began messaging her on facebook Mm -hmm. And then these messages started to gain pretty personal uh, just about her appearance. And then it goes back to artwork. It was very chaotic. It so is it switch. like, hey, baby, you're hella pretty? Or is it, hey, baby, you got kind of a weird nose? Like, what sort of things was he <laughs> saying? It was more, yeah, she's very attractive. Okay. He was very attracted to her, but then he went back to art stuff. So it was just very chaotic. Half hitting on her half business yeah but then then he would bring up the different places that he has seen her from i saw you here uh, at, like out of the art gallery and i saw you at this restaurant yeah i saw you at this bar mm -hmm. and, oh gosh he even tried to send her a handwritten letter but it never got to her because her address was private so i guess mm. so he couldn't quite return get that to sender yeah he even wrote to public officials about her. Like, what? he was contacting different people just about her. What? Isn't that weird? That it, like, I want to know, do you know what context? Like, what he would say to these public officials? No. 
Mm. It gets more detail in a little later. Okay, so but she, tight. Yeah. She didn't know his name, so she called him Jeffrey. Okay. So he's known as Jeffrey right now. All but right. now these messages are getting a little bit more vile, a little bit more violent. Mm, a little and, bit more intense. Exactly. And it was to the point where she would have friends stay with her at the gallery. She had people walk her to her car. I mean. So she's was, on high alert. Yeah. She's freaked out. Mm-hmm. Which I get. A friend finally convinces her to go to the police. And the police actually knew the man she was talking about because he had a reputation of stalking people. Oh, so he is, or she is not his first victim, no. if you will. Okay. They I say, if you will, so fucking much. You know what? I think my sister has noticed that. She's like, I want to make Michelle a shirt that says, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and if you listen to like more than one episode, yeah. like sort of back to back, it's like, if you will, if you will, <laughs> if you will, essentially, if you will. And it's like, <laughs> I want to kill myself. Aww. I just like, and I say it in normal conversation all the time. Yeah. And so. That's not bad. Oh, God. And then once I start drinking, it just pops out all the time. <laughs> so, so continue on, if you will. So who she was dealing with was 37 year old Fraser Wrightfort. Something like that. Don't really care. Uh, yeah, I was like, Bleh. but apparently he his first stalking victim was in two thousand nine, and it was an old high school classmate, and he would stalk them, and then he would stalk the counselors that he was going to. Oh my god! But he would stalk them. He even stalked a like prosecutor, district attorney, um, and officer as well. So he was just stalking people, and he had twelve prior stalking crimes against him and also 16 protective orders against him Holy as well. Holy shit. Oh, wow. So, Anna did some research and it looks like he has paranoia schizophrenia. Oh, gosh. So, it also goes in kind of to the mental kind of thing yeah. as well. But he's been down this road before a lot of times. I wonder if he's off his medication. Because my understanding with... And I could be completely wrong, but especially with paranoid schizophrenics, is they'll be on their medication and sort of start to think straight again. Like I feel better. So I feel I don't better, need my and then immediately take take themselves off of their medication, and then mm-hmm. it all sort of comes back. Right. And the paranoia oh, and stuff, and oh gosh. So she was able to get a protective order, a restraining order against him, but that did not. Stop him. I was going to say, did that really do much? No. But in 2012, he pled guilty to a misdemeanor harassment charge and was sentenced to 364 days in jail. So not even, like, it's shy of a year. I know. I wonder if, like, (laughs) the year is the maximum or you can't quite get a year. I don't know. That's weird. I know. But he was finally out of her life and she felt like she could breathe just a little bit. But she was still always looking over her shoulder. That would be super scary. Once he got out in 2013, it was still quiet. It was still quiet, and he still had that protective order against him. But what he started to do was write letters to the police about Anna. So, like, she's a shady bitch, you need to watch out for her, that type of thing? Well, it's pretty much saying, like, Anna is evil, and she should die this, this, this way. (laughs) Oh! 
But that wasn't a violation of his protective order because he didn't say I was going to do this or it wasn't directly sent to her. It was sent to the police. What the fuck ever. It was right? threatening enough. Come right? On. But that, I mean, stalking is really hard to prosecute. Ugh. It just really is. Because with stalking, is like if you sent someone a dozen roses or surprise them at work with a coffee, that's not legal. But mm. stalking is the only crime that behavior is illegal if you take it into context. I so, see. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying because a lot of the things that stalkers do, if mm-hmm. you will, uh, is very nice. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's malice behind it and the whole sense of, you know, you're being followed and you can't get away from this person. Exactly. I mean. Oh, God. She states, he really walked a fine line of knowing how to continue to stalk me, but fall within his legal rights. Oh, God. That's terrifying. Right? Oh, but so finally, after dealing with this for so long, in October 2013, she closed her gallery due to psychological toll. Are you serious? Yeah. This motherfucker. Well, just because every month she would have like this gallery... Like a big event? A big type. event, and there was like 200 or more people, and police were afraid of her safety and everyone else's safety if he came <sighs> and, like, did something, and it just became too much for her to even sell her stuff because she was so paranoid of, like, watching the door making sure that he's not oh there. God. So it really just took a toll on her. That is upsetting that it really kind of took away her livelihood and everything. It was even to the point, so she moved into a different apartment, and this was like a threeplex or fourplex, and it was to the point where he tried to get an apartment there as well. Oh, my God. And she just, it was so hard on her. Like, she just couldn't (laughs) comprehend because this apartment was only 500 feet away from her gallery, and so she felt a little safe to be just in this 500 square feet. Ugh. But even him trying to get an apartment in the same triplex. Well, it's just, just him knowing that much detail yeah. about her life. Like where she's applying to get apartments. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That's terrifying. Her dad fell with cancer. Oh. I know. And it was kind of like a fast cancer. So she went back home to Ohio. And she was helping with her dad. But she was able to be independent. Like, Mm. she felt a little bit... She could breathe the free air again because she's in a completely different state. She was able to go grocery shopping without him being there. She was able to go on a walk in the evening without him being there. Like, she felt so great. So that's when, when she went back to Washington, he took her to court to get the protection order lifted. And Uh, (laughs) did that work? No. The judge was just like, no way. And if you try this again, I will put you in jail. Good. Thank you, judge. Yeah. So, like, she was saying, like, stalkers actually use the justice system to get closer to them, which is, like, these little hearings and whatnot. Well, I hear... A lot of stalking cases, like, they try to get help and they try Mm. to get protection, but they can't. Like, the stalkers are kind of slippery and obviously using the justice system. And then, unfortunately, it often 
ends in death. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Oh, God. So she actually moves to Vermont. Okay. So, and she starts a job in the restaurant industry. She is kind of struggling with work because once he found out where she was, she had to let her work know about what's happening and she's has gotten fired before because of it and kidding me so it's just like she can't win who is the asshole who'd be like oh girl i'm sorry to hear you're being stalked oh by the way you're fired right like i Uh, mean i'm sure of course that's not how it played out but that sucks i mean he's like taken her whole life from her at this point so she goes to the police in vermont and they they say there's nothing they can do. And so she is alone in Vermont. Oh my God. I don't know what to do. But it was not long after that when the Port Townsend from Washington, her town, the police contacted her and said that her stalker was arrested again. And the prosecutors Ooh. decided to pursue stronger charges against him. So was he stalking somebody else or was he stalking her still? It was her case still, but he was stalking someone else as well. So he was not, he just wasn't a one-person pony. My God. Like, as if this shit isn't the, like, already terrible, (laughs) but to find out you're not the only fucking woman. Yeah. (laughs) Now I'm mad, and now I'm going to have to do something about it. Yeah, but this this case was all about her. So it was just her case that was being prosecuted. So it took several years to build a good case against him because Mm -hmm. she was saying that she was her own detective. She would log every single thing that he did, log every time he messaged her, when she saw him, everything. Mm -hmm. She would just make sure she had a good log about it. And that was enough evidence to prosecute him. But a 2009 report from the BJS said that the 40% of stalking cases that were reported to police, only a fifth of victims pressed charges. And only 8% of stalking perpetrators are arrested. 8%. Isn't that crazy? Well, I bet a lot of it's not reported. Right. But Um. even so, it's just hard to, like, those illegal behaviors. It's hard to justify that as criminal or being not, you know, I don't know. No, I get it. It's, you know. Harassment or, It's like when you have an abusive boyfriend or significant other or whatever yeah. and then but they're amazing in front of everybody else right and so it's like people no. don't believe you yeah and it's like no he's really a jerk i yeah. promise and it's like no nah, girl i don't think he is that's why abusers are really charming because everyone's just like i can't imagine that and uh disgusting yeah so they say that a good way for stalkers to be arrested is they may be arrested and prosecuted for a separate crime that is easier to prove, such as, like, assault or mm. something like that. But, of course, something would have to happen. So yeah. it's really hard. So in honest case, the prosecutors had to prove beyond reasonable doubt that the crime was com- that a crime was committed. But with all of her evidence, it was pretty well, good. Well, good for her for tracking everything. Yeah. I mean, my God. I sort of felt like I had been stalked in my teenage years, but now yeah. seeing Honest Story, I feel like maybe I was, in fact, not stalked. What happened? <laughs> what happened? Well, I had a guy who I went to high school with, and I don't know, apparently he liked me a lot, and he would, like, wait outside for me mm-hmm. when I got off work a lot, and he would call, you know, back and 
you know, my high school years, I had my own private line. It was before <laughs> cell phones. Yeah, no, I was hot shit. And, but, and he would call all the time on that. And there was a couple times he called while pleasuring himself. Oh my god! Yeah, and I was like, ah, like, ugh. And then, so he sort of went away for a while. And uh-huh. I was like, hooray. And then I ran into him when I was going to college. Mm-hmm. And... He was like, oh, my God, you're here again. Oh and he, like, immediately broke up with his girlfriend, <gasps> started waiting for me outside my work again, Ew. and all these things. And, like, finally, I ended up, like, going on a date with him. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I was a dumb bitch. Like, there's no, no other just, way. Well, no, you probably just thought, like, this is the only way that he'll leave me alone. No, it was kind of like, maybe I'm wrong and, yeah. you know... This is not fear. It's attraction, perhaps, or some (laughs) such thing. So I went on a date with him, bowled the worst game of my life. Uh I think I got a score of 31. Cute. And... um, Did you have bumpers? No. That's why I got 31. I did If you have 31 with bumpers, Going down, like, throwing my ball down the aisle next to me at some point. Okay, well... Just not a good boiler. Any bowler, I can talk. So we went out that one time, and then I just started avoiding him and Mm. just, like, not going to talk, not going to talk to him. And um, eventually it just sort of faded away. Like, he stopped waiting for me. But it took a long time. I mean, it probably went over... I mean, if you include the high school time and the college time, it was, like, a three-year time. That's crazy. Um, And then he ended up, I think, getting together with the girl that he broke up with me for. Oh. Or broke up with her for me. I don't know what the fuck. Anyway. Still, it's scary, though. No, it was a little, like, all of the... It's just like, if you're at work, you're just getting anxious because you know he's waiting outside for you. Yeah, and and I would have people, like, walk me to my car and yeah. things. And it's like, hey, how are you doing? I don't actually want to talk to you, but I'm just going to go to my car. It's terrible. To drive home as quickly. But, of course, he knew where I lived. He had Ugh. my phone number. He knew all that. And it was super creepy for a while, and I did not enjoy that. Well, I'm sorry that happened. Well, and all the calling and the weird breathing mm-hmm. on the Ugh. other line. Oh, yeah. It was Girl, very that sucks. I'm yeah, sorry. It was pretty gross. That's traumatizing. It was a little bit. It's like one of those things that's like, ah, that was weird. Blah. But yeah. I never I never told my parents. Yeah. I never reported it. I never. I just, you could have. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and it just didn't occur to me. That it was as serious as it probably was. Right. And which I think is unfortunately the case with so. And it's like, I don't, I didn't want to be rude to him. Right. I mean, that's the reason I ended up like going out on a date with mm-hmm. him. And it's like, I don't like you at all. And yeah. here I am probably Trying putting. To please you and. Yeah. And uh, so I didn't feel good uh, about myself even after that. Yeah. Like, I felt like I handled it all shitty and. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. It's a, you got I, through it, though. I, yeah, I did get through it. And actually, I ended up moving out of state. So that probably solved a lot of my problems. Yeah, that's sad still. That's traumatic. No, it was creepy. I'm yeah. glad you got through it, girl, but that's sad. Yeah, I did not enjoy that. I found myself in some situations in my teenage years yeah. that, like, thank God, I should totally be dead right now. Right. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Um, Back to Anna. Yes, So they can finally prosecute him and it goes to trial. And he doesn't want a jury by trial. He wants a bench trial. And a bench trial is when the judge decides if he's guilty or not. Oh, because he probably knows the jury is going to be like, "Uh uh-uh, he's going. Probably. But this allowed him to represent himself. So he was able to cross-examine 
Anna. What? Yeah. Oh my god. That's so crazy. I know. Was he like, why don't you love me? Why don't you love me? So Anna was so overwhelmed by this that she was getting physically sick. Oh. That they even put a like a bucket or trash can in the witness sand for her just oh. in case that she got sick again. She said it was literally hell. And she was testifying for eight hours. And her prosecutor said that was the longest he has had anyone testify before. This guy was probably like, she's under oath. I'm going to get everything I want answered. So what she did, though, is she never looked at him. She only looked at the judge or her prosecutor, like the prosecutor. She never looked at him. And that really kind of frazzled him. Because mm. he wanted that attention from her and she was not giving it to him. All right. So he started off strong, but then he kind of went off in tangents and said that she was responsible for like 9-11 and all these different terrorist oh, attacks. Oh dear. Yeah, it started going off really wild. So she felt good about kind of rallying him up. Just, oh, and he also, sorry, what? Oh, just talking about how evil she is. And... Yes, Yeah. And then he would be talking about, before she even worked at the gallery, because she, like, lived close to her his dad's, like, office or something like that. And that was in 2008. And he didn't go into her gallery to 2011. <gasps> so she finally realized in that witness stand that he was following her since 2008. That so, is fucking terrifying. Isn't it? Oh, my God. And she didn't even know she it? She didn't even know. Didn't even know until that moment. Oh, and, oh, isn't that terrifying knowing that yeah. you were being stalked and you didn't even know? Ugh. Good Lord. Schizophrenia is scary. Yeah. I mean, it always freaks me out, like, not being able to trust your own mind and not being able to really figure out what's real. Yeah. I mean, because I'm sure he fully believed to his core that she was, in fact, responsible for mm-hmm. 9-11. And was this evil person that he perceived her to be. I do, I did forget to say that she was afraid to keep going to the police because he saw that as her love for him. Like giving him attention. So it was hard for her. (sighs) So that's why I think she was taking down all the situations and then finally just giving it all to the prosecution for just one huge thing. That's what I think, but yeah, she... That's... Insanity, isn't it? Ugh. But of course, the judge ruled in favor of Anna. Oh, I thought you were gonna be like, say what? No. Like, I thought you were gonna say for him, but. And then he released his verdict a month after. Oh wow! Well, that's kind of how it goes. So once, like, especially in Oregon, once there's like the trial, they get the verdict, and then there's a sentencing hearing. Oh, and that can be pushed off for a few weeks. Um, so that's normal. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not like they held off the guilty or not guilty for a month. It no. was just how long are you going to be in prison? For? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So okay. he was guilty. Um, and then it was just the sentencing hearing that they pushed off because that's usually what they do. And usually a sentencing victims can give a victim impact statement. And she actually, in her story, she talked about having an advocate and she's very thankful for advocate because she... Oh, and that's what you are, Kevin. I know. Ah! But the advocate really helped her with, like, the trial prep and helping her with that victim impact statement and gave her updates on her case. So if you're ever a victim of a crime, ask if 
that if they have a, a victim advocate that you can have, sometimes they're just automatically assigned, but some, mm. I mean, it just really depends because there's only, there's so many cases and only so many advocates, but she was really thankful to have that advocate there. I imagine it would be nice to have someone that can sort of walk you through what the process is going to be, yeah. be there with you, mm-hmm. you know, regardless. I mean, they can't really do much as far as like step in on your behalf or something like that, but they yeah. can be there for you the whole time. Absolutely. And, and advocates really want to make people comfortable. I had a, a child victim and what I took them into the courthouse with the district attorney and kind of showed them like, well, you're, where are you going to sit? And it's mm. just a room and try to make them more familiar with that environment we do whatever we can to make people feel comfortable and safe. God damn it, and... Caitlin. You're <laughs> such a good person. But they also get to do a victim impact statement. And that's what Anna did. And she actually, since she was in Vermont, they got she got to video in and read her impact statement. Mm. So she wasn't actually there in person, but she was able to phone in. So that was good. And especially the space, I'm sure, was great. But she quoted, when the judge said, 10 years, I lost it. I basically kicked the chair from behind me and I collapsed onto the floor, not even sobbing, but the the gasping for air. I couldn't breathe once I realized what has happened. Okay, so she hella happy he's going away for 10 years? Yes. Okay. She was just... Or she devastated that it's only 10 years. No, no, no. (laughs) She was so happy because it's like, this nightmare can finally get put to an end. Because three... And like a year... It's actually not that long. But 10 years, that's actually some breathing room to actually, you know, enjoy your life. I would move again, probably Mm -hmm. out of the country. I would set up a new life in Norway or somewhere. Not Norway. Wink, wink. (laughs) Not Norway. That's funny. But this actually inspired her. So Mm. she actually went to like a advocate academy kind of learning the resources and such like that. She didn't become an advocate, but she did start the Stand Up Resources. Mm. So it's standupresources.com, and it's pretty much like resources that advocates can give, and she can even train people. And she said this is her decade of freedom. So she really is embracing that. She's traveled all over the country. She does her, like, tells her personal story and also trains the last time, her last one actually was April 13th of this month. Oh, hot damn. And she spoke and shared her story with a community college in Pennsylvania. Okay. So she's been to different like military bases, different colleges. She, you can even get her for like your office. She knows firsthand, like she has experience about what to look for and how to get help and giving those resources and having those advocates. So she's just all about uh, helping victims. Ugh. That's amazing. Isn't it? It's oh, so my great. So she was really happy that she can do this work now. I mean, because the, the gallery was her dream job. And unfortunately, that had to come die. To an end. And yeah, it had to come because to an of end. of one fucking prick. Isn't that terrible? But I think she found a new love um, going through this. And that's, you know, to help other people. I was like, who? What's his name? Oh, my God. Helping people, whatever, Caitlin. people in general, Michelle. Um, I want to know about Alexander. But actually, she was on the other podcast, Strictly Stalking. And so I heard some of her interview on that as well. And it's just great that she is doing so well. So That um, is great. Check out her website. 
Booker. It's amazing. I mean, could you imagine... Overcoming all that. I could not even imagine being afraid to, like, just be in my own house, to be at work, to go to the store. And it's just... She couldn't go anywhere without him just being there. It's just... It's just frightening. Like, you always had to look over your shoulder. She said she still will always probably look over her shoulder, but... It's not as drastic. <laughs> well, and once that 10 years starts coming to a close, yeah. oh my goodness. Like I said, I'd probably be Audi. Goodbye, United States forever. Yeah. I'm never coming home. Ugh. Terrible. But I'm glad she's doing well. Are so. there many? There's got to be a lot of female stalkers as well. It feels oh, like. Oh, sure. I think anyone can be a stalker. I mean, there's you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nailed it. <laughs> No, I definitely think, I mean, I really don't know, I don't know the statistics, but I don't know if this is just like a male-dominated crime or if it's like 50-50, but I could see, I've heard some stories of females being stalkers for sure, so yeah, I think, I don't know. <sighs> I wonder what it is that sort of switches in your head that is like, she's the one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go after her. But well, I find it interesting that he had multiple, yeah, like multiple ladies on the line, if you will. And yeah, I find that surprising. I do too. I usually thought it was just like one, that's it. But he had multiple. So it just, he was just obsessive with all the ladies. Yeah. They found, I mean, she even said that a few of his other victims kind of looked like her, but some didn't at all. So no. he didn't like really have a, a specific a, type. No, it's just. I just like this lady now. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, God. That was a very long story. So. Well, uh, mine's short. So don't you worry. Great. So come on, Michelle. What's your story? All right. All right. Well, I'm going to take us. Well, not that far back. So this (laughs) is uh, June of 2019. Oh, okay. And we are in Central California on the Aurora Seco River. Cute. So I apologize if I completely said that wrong. So this story is about Curtis Winston and his girlfriend, Crystal Ramirez, and then his 13-year-old son, Hunter. Okay. So he is taking them out essentially on a kind of a white water rafting trip. Yeah. And so it's like a three-day camping extravaganza. And it's route that he has actually taken before. Oh, that's nice. Um, I think he took it like seven years prior or something along those lines. But oh, quite it's a, a little few, dated, but yeah, it's a little bit dated. But he's done it before, okay. so he felt really good and he was experienced okay. and everything. So they head down, and the plan was there's a specific spot where you have to like stop your boat. And there's a small waterfall there. Oh. And you have to actually rappel down a little what? bit. Yeah. So, I mean, this isn't like whitewater rafting for Michelle. <laughs> this is whitewater rafting for people who, like, give a shit about whitewater rafting, okay. I guess. So, and he did it before with, like, no problem. Uh-huh. So, he had all the equipment for this rappelling trip. And so, all was going to be well. Okay. So they get there, and this is the afternoon of their third day of their camping trip. Okay, it's about over. But Winston could tell that something was not the same as it was years, like the seven years ago Uh when he had done this before. He noticed that there was an increasing roar of the water, like it was... 
there was much more water and it was going much faster than okay. what had happened to him before. Mm. And so they get to the canyon where they're going to have to rappel down. Yeah. And they realize that the water is just coming through at such a tremendous force <sighs> that there's no way that they can rappel down. Oh my gosh. Like there's just... The waterfall is just gushing over the side at a huge rate. There's way more water. And there's just, like, no way that they can do it. Oh, so, no. essentially, now they're trapped, <gasps> like, in this ravine uh-huh. on top of this waterfall. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my <laughs> and gosh. so, they waited to shore, but it's like, well, what do we do now? I mean, there's no cell phone service. Mm-hmm. There's... People who know where they are, but they're not expected for another few days or, you know. And so they're just thinking like, shit, what are we going to do? We're completely stuck. So they did get to land. So, yeah, they managed to get over to land, but now they're stuck. Winston sort of was Curtis Winston, I should say. I shouldn't call him Winston the whole time. I'll call him Curtis. Okay. Sure. Anyway. Anyway, Curtis sort of had a little bit of good luck. So he heard some voices from the other side of the fall. So like down below. And so they were kind of coming up towards him. And so he was like, hooray, there's people. So he yelled and yelled. But alas, the the force of the water was too loud. And so nobody could hear him. The water, uh, the rushing water had completely drowned Mm -hmm. him out. So he was like, we have to get them a message. We have to figure out some way to tell them that we're stuck up here. So he ended up grabbing a stick and then he pulled out his pocket knife and he carved into the stick help. Oh, wow. And he tied the stick to the end of a rope so people would understand that it's just not any stick. Just a stick. Yeah, just a stick floating (laughs) down. Ooh, look at that cool stick. Off it goes. So he tied it to the water and he threw it over the falls. Okay. And unfortunately, it floated away into com- the completely wrong direction. Oh, so it wasn't going to head to the people whatsoever. Right. And so he's like, shit, that's not going to work. Uh-huh. What can we do? It doesn't say shit here. That's oh, my that's own you. improv. Okay, great. <laughs> and so then he spotted his girlfriend's green water bottle. Oh. And so it's sort of, it has a name here, and I actually don't know how to say it. Nalgene? Nalgene? Anyway, her green water bottle. But uh-huh. it's sort of a, one of the bigger water bottles with sort of a, a like wide a mouth. No, it's not a hydro flask. It's plastic and it's clear. Oh, okay. So it's like a green, clearish plastic with a wide mouth. Gotcha. On it. I mean, I guess it doesn't really fucking matter. But here we are. (laughs) Um, And so he carved on the outside of that help. Mm -hmm. Like he scratched it into the outside. And then he uh, he remembered that he had a pen and paper. And so he actually pulled out the receipt of like from a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And he wrote on the receipt, 615-19, we're stuck here at the waterfall. Please get help. And then he shoved the note into the waterfall. And so he threw it over again. And this time it actually went where he wanted it to. 
So they chucked it over, and he was like, told his son, and that's all we can do for now. Ugh. So what they ended up doing is it took them 30 minutes to sort of navigate back upstream to a beach where they had had their lunch like before. Okay. So they made it back there, and they made a fire, and they laid out this like blue tarp. And on top of the blue tarp, they used uh, rocks to spell out SOS. Oh, wow. So it was actually pretty prominent. Yeah. There was like a picture of it. It's like, oh, good job, guys. Yeah. And so they just sort of hunkered down. They did know that this was an area for rattlesnakes and mountain lions. Ooh. So they decided to keep like kind of as big of, of a fire as they could keep going. One, so they could be seen, and two, they can keep away, you know, predators in the night. Mm. And so they just sort of, they spelled out the SOS on the tarp, and the evening kind of wore on, and they actually placed one of their headlamps with a light on it onto the flashing, you know, just oh. in case, it, so it could be seen from overhead. And then they just, like, hung waited. And waited. Mm. So around 10.30 that evening, they decided that they probably were not going to get rescued. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Or at least that night, they weren't going to get rescued. So they pulled out their sleeping bags. They stoked the fire once more so the mountain lions wouldn't come eat them in the middle of the night. But then, just after midnight, they heard a helicopter (gasps) hovering over top. Yes. And, like, Curtis turned to his son and, like, shook him awake. And he's like, they're here. We're rescued. So they ran over to the headlamp and started flashing at the helicopter. Uh So they heard it, but it sounded like the helicopter was still searching searching for them. Mm. And so him and Crystal and his son, they were all waving and hollering. And then they heard the magic words. This is search and rescue. You have been found. Oh, my God. "Ah." So they. What a relief. I know. Oh, my gosh. So the helicopter circled around looking for a good place to land Uh and then finding none, they announced to the three of them that they would not be rescued till morning and you need to conserve your firewood. Wait, what? Yeah. So they took off. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like, sorry guys, there's no good place to land. We'll come back later. So the next morning Uh the helicopter returned and they were able to lower a crew member down on a cable and then to lift them up up individually. So they pulled them all out one by one, deposited them in their gear on the closest bluff where the helicopter could safely land. And so they were like... For them, it was like a moment of pure happiness. Mm -hmm. And they all chatted with the officers who had rescued them. And they sort of heard the story of how they were rescued. So, turns out that that water bottle, a couple, I think, with two girls or two, two people. Oh, two men. And see, this is where, in this one it says two men had seen it. Uh But in the other one it says... Two men and, like, a daughter. Oh. And it was the daughter who saw it. Oh. Saw the green water bottle floating in the river. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh. And so she waited out to go get it. And they look at it. And it's got the help scratched mm-hmm. all in it. And they opened it. And it had the note in it. And so they're like, holy shit. As a kid, I, on the beach, I always looked for bottles with notes in it. No like, doubt. I wanted- <laughs> I want to find one, but, you know. Some old love note or yeah, something. Yeah, something. Just, like, something cool. Except, like, if I found one that said help, I'd be like, oh. 
what are I, you gonna yeah. do now? Well, but and the, he was smart because he put the date on it. Yeah. Because I would just assume this is old shit. Yeah. You know, no one needs help. And absolutely. But it had that day's date on it, so they knew. Freaking smart, man. Yeah, I know. It's like all these things that I would have never thought of. It's yeah. like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh my gosh, that's a good idea. Like when we go Randomly. metal detecting again. We'll find a bottle with a note in it. Be like, this is where the treasure's at. Ugh. What if it's like a scavenger hunt on your yard? Oh, my God. Could you even imagine? <laughs> no. Joel has this, like, he wants to hide stuff behind. We were remodeling our basement. Uh-huh. And he, I think him and his friend had come up with this idea that they're going to just splash it with red paint. With then says, like, help me or oh something. Oh, my gosh. So if someone came and ever remodeled, they'd be like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Down? I was like, dude, you can't do that. (laughs) Nah, man, they're going to end up taking out our whole house as evidence or I don't know what. So we didn't do that. Okay. FYI. There's probably some hidden shit somewhere. So the two men and the daughter took that note to the authorities and they're like, we found this. Mm. Here you go. (laughs) And this is where we found it. And so they were able to um, start the search and rescue oh, okay. to find him. Well, great. But they actually hadn't left their names. They just sort of turned it in and took off. And Oh, so they couldn't thank him? Yeah. Oh, and so actually a few days after this whole story broke and sort of the story of them being rescued mm-hmm. due to a bottle floating down the river, one of the guys who found the bottle contacted them. Aww. And it was like, it was us. And so I guess they're planning... A big barbecue to be able to, like, all hang out together and to be able to thank them. I love that. Yeah, he said uh, that when they're all together, it will be one of the greatest moments of his life. Oh, my goodness. That's so sweet. See, humanity, thank you. I know. You're not all stalkers. (laughs) Not all assholes. Aw. So... So that's the story of the message in the bottle. That's and great. And the people getting rescued due to it. Yeah. So. Wow. That's I a know. good story. Oh. I did think it was cool how he like scratched in on the outside and then also included a note. Oh. So he was that's thinking. Great. Yeah. He was that's thinking. Really smart. I really don't like rapids. Because <laughs> I had some bad experiences on so some you rapids. Went under completely? I did, yeah. Ugh. But I, I think I already told that story. But the second time is because the water was lower. So you went again after yeah. you fell in the first time? Yeah. Okay, psycho. Proceed but, with your story. <laughs> so I fell in the rapids. Nick saved me. Thanks, love. Um, <laughs> and then the second time, we got... Because st- the water was a lot lower, but they were still rapids. So we got stuck on this huge rock. Like, sideways. Oh so, we had gosh. too much weight. So, all of us. So, we most of us got, got out on this giant rock in the middle of these rapids. And then, all of a sudden, the boat just lifted off. And it took off. So, everyone... <laughs> so, you're stuck on the rock? Everyone jumped in the raft. But I was the last one. And I couldn't jump in time. So, I was just left alone on this <laughs> boulder in the middle of this Amen. rapids. And everyone is, like, down the rapids just looking at me like, what do we do? As you're slowly disappearing. No, they've got to the side. So, they're like, they're just trying to figure out what to do. Should they come back around and get me? Or they're... I'm just like, I just have to go down these rapids on my back. But my little life jacket wasn't tightened. Like, I got a too big life jacket. Oh, girl, this so, story. <laughs> so, I sat in the water and I 
like I kind of pushed off but my life jacket like went up above like where my chin was and I was like oh no and <laughs> then the water was so cold I couldn't breathe because of my asthma because life well and so the, I was it, just like struggling to like breathe and like stay uh, afloat so I, I mean I struggle to breathe yeah and I don't have any issues with asthma that stuff takes your breath away it does so I got back on the rock readjusted my life jacket and then just laid on my back and just pushed off and be like it's gonna be okay <laughs> Oh my god, hopefully then, someone fucking catches me down the way. And so I'm just like floating down and I'm just like, okay, things are going good. I see some vultures circling yeah. above me. I just watched the boats go by. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, but I Nick again grabbed Grab me. you. Oh my god. Me. Nick yeah. is like, this bitch again. Yeah. So She's we never haven't going we, again. We haven't been back since. Yeah, no. Shit. My friend group is just like Caitlin. <laughs> Just stay in the boat the you, whole time. You can be in the chase car. Yeah. We'll meet you at the bottom. You can give Pretty us a much. ride back. Uh, I just like <laughs> had such a fun time the first few times. And when I fell off, I was like, ooh, scared. And then when I got stuck on the rock, I'm like, okay. We're done with this now. Yeah, there's there's a pattern. I've never been down the rapids, if you it's will. It's fun, but get a guided. Get a guide one. But Ugh. he was super smart. I would have never repelled down nothing. Yeah. Um, I know. It probably would have been awesome, but it. I guess there had been, like, extra snow melt mm-hmm. and stuff that he just wasn't anticipating. That just wasn't the case right. when he first went. We went floating down just, like, this river, and there was one part that... It went down a little bit, like baby rapids, like not any anything. But these people in front of us, they turned to me and said, someone died on these. What? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I turned to Nick. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this again. And Poor Nick's just, I know. And Nick's just like, <sighs> so Nick got out of the rapid, like got out of our, because um, we used out yours. Your, oh, out of our. The couple one, like our, the tube. Yeah, our two for two. Yeah. <laughs> And he just walked me through these rapids because it went to his waist. But I know. So he walked me through it and he's like, see, it's okay. But I was just so freaking out. Girl, you got a good man there. Well done. Don't be like, he's very sweet. "Mm, Sorry. Good luck, girl. (laughs) You go first. I'll watch. He's very sweet, but no. no. Joel uh, would help me. I shouldn't would. say that. He would. He totally would. He'd probably, like, carry me down <laughs> right. or something. Just carry it all? Yeah. Everyone? Me, Aww. the six-pack, and the float. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but those were good stories, so oh, good gosh. job. I want to say Winston, but it's not Winston. No, Curtis Curtis. Winston <laughs> good job, name. Curtis. Good job, Anna. And be safe, y'all. I know. Fucking stay away from stalkers. I guess... Stalkers, stay away from everybody else. Yeah, like it's really on you. You guys are jerks. Seriously, stay away from rapids too. Just, ugh. yeah, just it's don't not go. worth it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoy these stories. Please follow us on all social media platforms, also any podcast platforms as well. You can check out our website at ashertollybedevritnow.com. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just to say, think of me in my, yes. having my ear folded over while you're listening to this. Michelle will still be in surgery right now, so <laughs> no. all the good things. Send all the good things. Oh. All right. Yeah, if we have a good video, we'll definitely. Please. Oh my God. Oh my gosh, please. It'll be for you only. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Bye. Bye.